Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Lark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Zach, what's up, dude? I'm just going to flea flicker it right over and get the show going. We have Legacy Gambit on to talk about ELM and a whole bunch of other things. Welcome to the pod. Sarah, so hi, welcome. Hiya. I'm so excited to be here. This this time last year I was here. It was just me and Mm -hmm. Zach by myself. Yep, same room. Same room, (laughs) literally nothing's changed. But yeah, I'm excited to be here, guys. We've got lots to talk about. First, we want to talk about ELM, right? Yeah, in two weeks. Oh, that's terrifying. So in two weeks time 2nd of september the second edition of the european legacy masters will be going ahead amazing it is going to be at four seasons bologna so four seasons summer i think they're calling it uh, in bologna it is going to be streamed live again amazing on the four seasons twitch it's, I can't wait for Paper yeah. Legacy. It is going to be streamed live on the Four Seasons Twitch channel. Last year, it did really well. I think it was sort of the top Paper Legacy when the stream mm-hmm. was on throughout the broadcast. So we were really happy about that. Yeah, it's bigger than last year. So last year, we had 75 players. It looks like this year, we're going to have about 110. Just, oh, that's a lot of players. And yeah, just kind of getting on the hype train. We've just uh, started doing player profiles. So over the next couple of weeks, you should start seeing on our socials some sort of key kind of who's who of coming uh, and playing playing for the glory price support is also increased this year we have um in terms of sponsors we have card market ultimate guard the in response uh legacy guys bizarre of boxes boza mtg three for one trading i knew i'd forgotten one three for one trading so though it's going to be super uh, super amazing so yeah the price support is about two and a half thousand euros nice. worth of support which is double what was last year nice so i'm super stoked with that and having ultimate guard on board we are giving away so much product i literally got it yeah. i literally got a, a shipment picture from the Italians going, what is this? And I had a mm-hmm. shipment manifest from DHL that Ultimate Guard sent me, and it was four pages long. Oh my gosh. Just all the stuff that we have sent Amazing. Uh, so yeah, we're giving away a bunch of, uh, we're giving a care package similar to the old Grand Prix days where you would get your little box with little tokens and sleeves and stuff. Everyone gets one of those. Everyone gets a playtest jewel like last year. And then there's a bunch of giveaways that we're doing on the stream and stuff like that. In terms of hoping to get Julia Nav back, hoping to get Will Hall back. Will you guys be uh, doing some some broadcasting uh, as well? I last I will be at a wedding because uh, the adult in me was like, well, I need to go be an adult and That's support fair. my yeah. husband's best friend's wedding. But it will be supported nonetheless. There will be lots of hype around it. And then, yeah, notable players. Obviously, Andrea Mangucci is back. Who is surprised that yeah. Andrea Mangucci is not back? We have Mark Tobias, Nicholas Holtzman, and then sort of other notable players. But the one thing this year that's been super exciting is having players kind of from the ground up. There's a bunch of players who've qualified who started Legacy over the pandemic or started Legacy this year and have qualified, which is super cool. amazing to see because like the whole goal of the project, not only is it to kind of crown someone, it's to just grow Legacy locally. Yeah. And I think in terms of the number of events we've had, let me give you a small sneak peek. I think we had in total close to 100 events wow. over the season, which is insane. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, that is wild considering we had like 30 odd when we had in three months but yeah i think the data shows qualified to six we had 92 events and that is including your small you know regional events to sort of things like four seasons the axiom now events impact returns all the big european like go getting events the average size of them is anywhere from like 50 for like an average event up to sort of like 100 150 for like the bigger events uh, that's obviously got, yeah that's awesome. it's incredible yeah so i'm super stoked by just the numbers that we're having obviously some countries did really 
well. Some countries did sort of okay, but it's just showing what is possible and sort of the support that we've had. But it's been challenging. Who knew trying to coordinate 20 plus countries to get qualifier events? It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, but now we're in the sort of final push of it. And I'm really proud of the committee. Big shout outs to Nicola Cavoni and Tom Dedeca and a whole bunch of the reps for kind of really kind of getting their stuff together. And yeah, my, my goal over the next couple of weeks is just flying the good comp flag and being like, hello, please come. It's going to be great. So yeah, if you want to see like high level kind of legacy, please watch it. The other small thing, which I think is a good barrier, reduction to barrier to entry is that the event is proxy friendly. So if you don't have the cards, because that is a challenge in the legacy form, I'm sure we'll get to it. The event is proxy friendly. So that doesn't stop you playing. Obviously, there can't be a Sharpie writing dark depths. Like it has to be clear and recognizable to the card. But I think that helps a lot of players sort of find something also, it's the same period as Wilds of Eldraine. There mm-hmm. might be cards from Wilds of Eldraine that people can't get access to, but they want to try. So that's an opportunity to kind of also help players to kind of get the ball on the rock. But yeah, I'm super proud of the project and we've just got bigger and better plans for next year. But let's get this year done first. Yeah. But yeah, I'm super proud of the team. There you go. Quick stat. In a proxy-friendly event versus a not-proxy-friendly event, what deck do you think is represented the most in more in proxy and than in non-proxy? Biggest increase in percentage i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in and say it's lands yeah. it's yeah. always lands because no one I has think it's lands, yeah. it's I lands. Think, oh. i've seen a lot more doomsday as well in playtest friendly events than non-playtest friendly events i think it appeals to people who like really want to grind like wikis more than leaks if that makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, it's, I'd probably say Doomsday lands. Anything that has a very expensive mana base, like 4C occasionally, if people aren't playing with like Breeding Pool and Hallowed Fountain, mm-hmm. which I've definitely seen in the past. But yeah, I think that lands is the big one. And then also like, because last year we were in the middle of like Mono White Initiative being in the thing and mm-hmm. all the sideboard cards that became kind of the sideboard for the anti-white tech were played at the ELM as like proxies because you couldn't, who knew Empty Shrine Kanushi was going to be a legacy player? Magic card. It's so funny that the, when people have access to proxies, they're like, how am I supposed to get my hands on a nickel common from 14 years ago? That's yeah. impossible. So that was kind of uh, the, or the wild things we saw in the deck list. And hopefully we should see deck lists coming through, you know, once the people have started registering. Last year we had a big like data dump of like who read, who qualified with what and sort of things like that. Unsurprising, Painter got very popular. Uh, people mm-hmm. love Painter. I kind of blame Callum, Callum Smith for that. And Sarah's jumped on the, the grindstone train now so the europeans love painter who knew so and we've had some weird brews people qualified with some mad stuff i think the weirdest one i saw was a uh, they call it norwegian prison which was a turbo khan minsk and boo prison deck i was like what what did you say you said what so yeah it's gonna be wild seeing the other what other decks qualified but yeah i'm, I'm, super I'm ready proud to see lantern control and legacy that's what I'm, I'm here for it i to be honest i wouldn't be surprised knowing some europeans just the wild stuff that we like to register uh, i wouldn't be surprised lantern control being like i just just stop playing magic just i need mono blue martyr to come back That's no <laughs> that is a 10 years ago deck i saw there was a there was a clip that i got sent i think by sarah of mono blue martyr versus mud and my head mm. hurt i was like what what is happening <laughs> what is legacy uh, legacy was wild back then what is happening it's a kind of whole 
pull back the curtain a little bit in Legacy Gambit. Sahara is the serious person who can do good networking. I'm the person who pops up to Sahar like, should I register the Mighty Quinn for this tournament? It's oh. a Legacy deck from 12 years ago that I so really is high, So is High Tide. I mean, High Tide we're healing. I mean, Legacy's healing when I posted on Twitter, you know Legacy's healing when I would like to respond aka Marcus Ewald registers High Tide for a league and you go, ah, oh, fantastic. Legacy's healing once again. Mind's Desire has made all the combo players go, actually, do Lally. Everyone can not worry about this two-mana orc that's pestering our pesky format and we can all just play combo decks. You, you know the format is moving towards a healthy place once Marcus is tweeting High Tide heuristics again. Yeah. Like Once we're in that space, we are just delightful season. It's been interesting with Legacy right now just seeing what is happening and it's because we're in this weird lull where there's loads of online events legacies in this strange place where online it looks like a wild wild place to be for like four people and then everyone's playing like the best <laughs> deck in the format i keep in leagues matching against the person who's always playing changeling combo like <laughs> i matched into changeling combo three out of my last four leagues oh. and it's the same person each time i don't understand what's going Time to start it's... sideboarding heavy. Look, if, if I go to if I if, if I'm at my local, right? If I if I play the 1K monthly and I know every time I'm gonna get paired up against infect person, you best believe I'm gonna have multiple peacekeepers in my board. I, I'm not I'm not above targeting one specific person I know I'm getting paired into every time. Yeah, yeah. the last the <laughs> last you remember when we were oh. at 20 side store uh you know seven years ago or whatever, and we would always run in well, one, I would always run into Devin Riley every match playing the uh rest in peace helm style of uh, oh. miracles. Bless and then heart. I would then the other person I would play against every time was I, I can't remember his last name adam who played enchantress which also mm. included rest in peace and so i just started throwing two helm helm uh, of obediences into my sideboard as a rug dover player being like put half the combo in i'm done i'm done playing this game with you guys <laughs> the <laughs> other amazing. thing that happened is like after i talked about registering painter and it turns out a lot of people wanted to play mystic forge combo at like the monthly we go to so a bunch of people came with four null rods in their sideboard mm. <laughs> and we just got yes. Smoked. Like, I met all of the Mystic Forge players at like the one and three table. The worst thing about having having to play against a Norod deck is generally it is the one artifact in their deck that you have to deal with. Whereas, like, you can't just be like, oh, I'll just side in Meltdown. Because, like, your whole deck is artifacts, so it would screw you up too. I did get to weld out someone's Null Rod for a Baleful Strix. That that felt very very good. Yeah, that sounds that's, great. That's that's quite that's 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 tasty. That, I I know who I am deep down because that line sounds sweet, but I cringe at the thought of letting my opponent draw a card. <laughs> I knew Phil was thinking this. I knew it. I knew Phil was thinking this. I, yes, I just I just my my gut churned. It's like, like, a card. Don't don't worry, don't worry, Phil. I activated Grindstone in response to the card draw. Like they oh, never good, drew good, that yeah, card. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bravo, bravo, darling. Bravo. It's also like against the Mystic Forge deck. I'm like welding their one ring into a Mox Opal when they already have a Mox Opal on board. <laughs> Just do this. Is... I never want to see a freaking Mystic Forge deck ever again. Our last video, um, we did a gameplay review of me playing the last challenge. It completely played like a ham sandwich, but we'll talk about it another day. I played against two Mystic Forge decks, and I'm like, I've got Norod. 
everything's great. I have Blood Moon. I literally turn off their entire deck. Nope. Freaking played Urza Saga and killed me. And I was just like, I just, mm. he played one ring. Oh, and now I can't attack. Oh, oh. I just, I need this. I, there needs to be a, a, like consensus amongst the community to like hate these decks out of the fall. Same with Mississippi River. Same with the Mines Design. All these co- out. Get out of my okay. <laughs> Over, 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 under. Over, under. By the time ELM rolls around, yeah, in, in two weeks, yeah, M- Mississippi River remains popular, or the the gimmick fades. M- Mississippi River still still proves popular, and I'll tell you and- for why. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go, you go, Justin. I was going to say, like, every legacy tournament has at least one or two Mississippi River players. Like, this mm. comes, like, from before it was legal online as well. And now that Sean Goddard has won a challenge with it while playing only free creative technique, Couldn't because find that the fourth man one. isn't human, as far as I he can He couldn't tell. get the fourth one. He messaged you me. Only need, you only need one. <laughs> Just you only need off one. the rest of the Cascade deck cards I, in your deck. I, I, at my local one. recently, I got turned two'd. I got turned two'd by Mississippi River twice because he just uh, went uh, Shardless or another Cascade spell into a Tybalt's Trickery. And there's a baked-in fail rate if you hit another Tybalt's Trickery, but if you hit yeah. literally anything else, the game just ends on the spot. Yeah, yeah. that's usually a sideboard plan for when they want to go faster. They put in Frozen Chaos, Tybalt's Trickery. It's, to, yes. it's so they can beat, like, Epic Storm or whatever. You, th- mm. you think no. that's weird? I saw a version of Mississippi River running the Rhinos package mm-hmm. with Shardless Agent and Bloodbraid Elf. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my friend, don't put two combos together. No. Your deck's crap. <laughs> Your deck's literally unplayable. I played a Blood Moon and a Trinisphere and looked at my opponent. I was like, oh, you're going to play three twos and two twos? Great. I will block with my, I will go with these goblins. I think the format hasn't looked nicer on Trinisphere than at any other oh. time. Like, High Tide coming back, Trinisphere's pretty good. Mississippi River, Trinisphere's incredible. Mystic Forge also really hates Trinisphere. Yeah, like, they I do. Think, I think that is the solution to, if you want to get rid of all this garbage, you just need to have more Moonstone people. And, and Storm just gets better, too, with the Wilds of Eldrin coming out, because Bes- Beseech the Mirror just, like, God, gives them yeah. a whole new facet of Tudor chaining. It's... That card looks like it might be one of the better cards in the set, actually. I think be. it might be the top one so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be the top one. I, I'm i glad there's a query in Dryad, even though I've been trying to, you know, Miracle Grow is not a thing in Legacy. I wish it was. Um, but I, I Besiege Shimmer is interesting because, again, I think it is an interesting shooter target, but it will be same with Creative Technique and a couple of these cards. It'll be interesting if the cards we already have are better than Besiege Shimmer. Um, that's going to be the test. And that, again, we have to let the combo players do their thing and break everything. Uh, but genuinely on the Trinistor thing, I, uh, in the Monored Prison Discord, of which there is only about 10 of us who actually are active, uh, somebody genuinely was like, is it time to play 16 prison effects? And I was like, what? What did you say? You said 16? Four of everything. I was like, what year is it? Is is Gary Campbell <laughs> registering? Is Gary Campbell registering Mono Red Prison again? No, I was like. But then I thought about it. I was like, it is very good against combo. If I place combo all day, sixteen prison effects is the way I will win that game. But then I was like, I draw the second Trinisphere against like Delver, and it's crap. And I'm just like, so yeah, we're currently in conversation of whether sixteen or fifteen 
is the way forward because mm. that's the level of high I mean, level conversation in the monorail prison discord flavor wise you can't play the fourth trinisphere you can only play three trinisphere yeah, free free ball that's, that is, yeah, yeah, that's what i got told free free yeah balls. you, you, you it's restricted. Exactly. <laughs> Mark Rosewater is going to be very upset if he hears that yeah. people are running four three ball. And no, three yeah. three ball. That is, it's the way the way God intended the mono red prison community yeah, to play. You, you set the fourth one aside for vintage, where it's restricted. Oh. That's that's mm. how it works. I have played it in vintage before, and it's very very yeah. good. Uh, um, I, I wanted to I wanted to segue into uh, you. So you guys do a little bit of teaching content, and and I uh, we watched your uh, episode uh, with Phil Gallagher recently, where you talked a little bit about teaching. Could you guys expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, of course. Uh, Sarah, do you want to go? I'll go. Yeah, sure. So um, I come from other games originally. I did play Magic kind of as I was growing up, but I never really took it super seriously. I played Standard kind of like when Tempered Steel was a thing all the way through. Mm. I didn't really start taking Magic seriously until like Dragons of Tarkir. And by that point, I was already a decently strong chess player. I represented my university. Um, I was also captain of the England team in a FPS game called Team Fortress 2. I'd already like done a lot of things in other games. And when I came to Magic, it was very much like, I have no idea how to learn this game. Like, it felt like there weren't the same amount of resources. Chess is down in record as the game that has had more books written about it yeah. than any other game. It is so easy to find resources and how to learn whatever you want to learn in chess, to the point where it's actually kind of the opposite problem. You just have too many choices at this point. You can spend like years learning like absolute garbage and not really realize that's what you're doing but there is like an idea of how to get better people like yusupov who was a russian grandmaster wrote, wrote like school curriculums on how to take a player from just learning how the pieces move all the way up to mastery and yeah. plenty of people plenty of school children has followed those things and have become the next generation of chess masters uh poker you have like a much I was gonna more... say poker's got to be the next one yeah, like I played some poker. Um, one of the masters in the chess club was a professional poker player and also a very good bridge player. Apparently, that's also a thing you can do. And yeah, like all of these different games, there's a lot of like set ways and like set progressions for how you want to learn how to do the game. Magic, it does have some of that, but I always felt like it was much harder to find. And a lot of the time, just didn't really seem based on anything more than vibes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, the Legacy Gambit is kind of like my desperate attempt to just kind of try and put out the content that I wanted when I was new. Um, kind of taking as best I can, like, my kind of analytic approach and my coaching experience in chess and just trying to apply that to magic. Even though I don't consider myself a particularly good magic player, but I do have kind of like an idea of what it is to learn a game. And so I'm trying to apply that to magic for myself and then communicate that across to the viewers. Honestly, that's kind of my part. That's why I write the articles. I do a lot of the research. And then Sahar is kind of like the lovable face, the great networking. And just Sahar makes all my dry analysis fun is the way that I would sum it up. Uh, Jesse, your analysis is very fun. Uh 
No, Sarah, Sarah's on, Sarah genuinely, we are yin and yang. And it's very much kind of that way in terms of we come from different schools of thought about magic, but together we can kind of navigate through. And I've genuinely had the most fun when we do videos and we're talking about stuff and like laughing and like just like learning along the way, especially when we do our A to Z stuff, because we are, you know, Sarah has done a primer on it. But when we're in the games and we're like, what the hell do we do? And sometimes I'll do something and Sarah's like, why did you do that? I'm like, I have no idea. No idea. Vibes. Uh, and it frustrates <laughs> Sarah no end. Uh, but it's a way for us to... The other reason why I, I've always want... I've been... I did some legacy content around sort of 2019, 2020 when I first started um on sort of my kind of small youtube stuff nothing major um kind of just learning decks as i kind of went along and i've always wanted to do it because i think that with peace and love to the legacy creator community it's very very male and it's uh quite white with peace and love to you both of you fill in sack uh, it's very it's very kind of a certain way it's also quite americanized to a certain extent and i felt that there was a way that we could come into it a little bit more like we will hold your hand, we will learn together, we will make mistakes, and that is okay. Yeah. But just come along on the journey, and you know we've been trying, you know, because we're it's still kind of we're still in the phase of like experimentation, trying different formats, trying different ways. Um, I think we've both kind of enjoyed different the different styles of stuff we're doing. We're both also doing some solo stuff slightly, like Sarah's doing um, Nose to the Grindstone, which is Sarah kind of following her journey for painter. I'm going to do some Monterey prison stuff at some point. And I think all in all, it's a nice way for us to kind of make legacy fun and accessible and sort of teach some of the things that I kind of, I think we both wish we had uh, in a way that's sort of presentable and not kind of, you know, you a certain level of knowledge that you need coming into the video. Like I love Bosch and Roll. I love Phil Gallagher, but sometimes there is a level of knowledge that is expected when you wash a Bosch and Roll and frame a new video. Uh, and I think that bringing that expectation down is quite nice. And sometimes we do high level stuff like, you know, the stuff we did with Phil and like other videos we've done have been kind of high level, but we've also tried to make it accessible. Um, yeah. And this is very much the sort of, okay, what's the word, Sarah? Pedagogical. Pe pedagogical. I can't, I always say, I always, a lot, I always prefer it logical in somewhere. Um, Pedagogy is to teach. To teach, yes. Pedagogical is... Yeah. Though again, I'm saying it in like this weird English accent where it might be wrong anyway, but we just say it like that. Just teaching. We're just teaching. And I think yeah. it's 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 kind of it's done, but it's done with love and it's done with kind of, you know, a way of making legacy like accessible. It's fun and accessible. That's kind of what I put on when I did all the social networks for it. I was like, it's fun and accessible and also entertaining which i think sometimes you can watch some videos and you go like hi welcome to another legacy video today i'm going to i'm like Gosh. yeah well that's exactly what i was going to say is like coming from you guys have a good to to put things into sort of a D, &D perspective yeah. i think our podcast is a is uh we our dump status intelligence and and we really try and push everything into uh into the charisma uh primary primary attribute but you guys have a really good mix of of uh, of both the charisma and the intelligence. I think charisma intelligence. <laughs> I, you're charismatic too, darling. 
There's more, there's more charisma coming out of me. I am the bard. If I was going to be any deity, I look at me, I'm a bard. I'm just a bard. <laughs> just trying to live my best life over here. But yeah, it's super, but it's also working with Sarah has been such a, for me, a, a kind of splooge a little bit, but like working with Sarah has been a bit of a blessing for me because it balances out things that I'm not good at, but Sarah is very good at. Sarah's attention to detail is insane. Where I have format knowledge and more experience, you need someone external-ish or like some another set of eyes to kind of like help you with like yeah. what you're doing and having conversations. And that's been super useful. And like for us, that's kind of the way that we kind of want to approach the channel. And I've had players who are new to the format gone, I really like your videos because they're really easy to approach. And I was like, thank you. It's working. Uh, which is kind of our goal. But I, I, and I'm not, it's not to say that it's always going to be a channel that is just like new player friendly. Like I think anyone could watch our videos and they might go, for God, we've not had the comments on our YouTube of like, hi, you played this wrong. And if you'd done this and this and this and this, this would have happened. I'm like... My uh, my response <laughs> to most of those kind of comments on, on YouTube and Reddit is just, thanks for watching. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> got to that Thanks for commenting and watching. <laughs> yeah, thank you for getting... And sometimes we've had like constructive feedback of like, hey, yeah. did you think about X? And we're like, no, thank you for watching, though, for telling yeah, us. Yeah. And I think that's been, that's super fun. And again, we're trying a bunch of different things. Like we're at that stage where we can, because it's still fairly fresh, we can kind of just throw ideas at the wall. Um, I know, I think for us, the A to Z of legacy is kind of the the long term plan. Yeah, because my God, there's so many like there's so many decks. It's it's funny when you know we're what are we five years in, Phil? Maybe six years into this thing, and that was the initial plan yeah. of this of this podcast was like, I was, it was just me. And I was going to interview a different player every week about a legacy deck. And week two, I met Nate to, to do this. You know, I, I knew Nate before that, but like me and Nate were just like, you know what, this is working out fine. We're just going to, we'll just make it a more broad thing. But like, had we done that, we would have ran out of legacy decks, you know, in the middle of year one, you know, yeah. like, so it, it it's a great long-term plan, but it does become a thing where you're like, well, I got to Z. You know? <laughs> I mean, fortunately, we've we've just got to be, like we're on like the good thing about legacy is that the naming conventions are so wild that like yeah. there are certain letters we're going to be there for months, um, mm. and also because I think for us we've realised and Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, we've realised that the A to Z videos are quite a lot of work because yeah. for all of them. Sarah predominantly, but also I'm assisting where I can, is making a primer for like each of these videos to make them accessible. Because to quote the Aloran community when we first started this, trying to get Aloran content, what did they say, Sarah? Was it like it's jazz? It was yeah, sideboarding with Aloran is like jazz. Was the advice that we got? Like, it's I love that though. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like when they. I like that. That it means like jazz means it, like I interpret like jazz as in Chaos. who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But basically. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm. All right, as someone who grew up playing jazz, jazz has rules. Yeah. I am not, just because we break them all the time. There's still rules. Know, yeah, but that, I think that's what they're saying, is there are rules, but knowing when to break them is important. But yeah. it does come off to the layman as, this is chaos. Yeah, it's hey, awesome. here, here's, uh, uh, 
I'm going to share one of my favorite quotes of all time from the great philosopher Ludacris. Rules were meant to be broken, but you can't make broken rules. Yeah, true. So true that. that. Uh, Never wise words were spoken. So yeah, I think it's those those videos are quite like I said, those are quite a lot of work. So for us, we've kind of realized that we because in our head we're like, oh, we can get these done like once a week and stuff like that. And they're a lot of work, like trying Mm. to do research about a deck archetype and getting and because it's not just you know. Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not just me and Sarah going into the Wild West and just writing about stuff. The thing that differentiates us from like other people who make deck guides um, is that we consult the community. And that takes yeah. time because, boy, howdy, does everyone agree and disagree. Um, so Yeah, you got to vet everything. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we've had, we, we're fortunate. I'm fortunate from like the, the me connecting with players is that I have found good people in each of the archetypes. And thank God for deck specialists, honestly, because yeah. we can go to them and be like, hello. When we come to your deck, uh, can we just reference it? <laughs> we can just we don't have to make this like a ten-page document. It's just yeah. please go here. Here's, here's all the stuff you need. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. But yeah, yeah that's I like mean, a long-term project. Sorry, sorry. I sorry. mean, as like a general thing, like as much as I'm like used to researching and digging in. If I didn't have access to like Sahar's networking, I would not be able to write the articles I've been writing. Or if I did, they would take way longer, and probably the quality would be worse. Yeah, um, I mean, there's something to be said for sure about having having a great co-host. You know, like having someone there to lean on when uh, you know, and, and use the parts of the community that they are, or the parts of the game even that they are more talented than you are. Uh, and I think you know, per, I'm going to shout out Phil to it on, on this one. But like, we would not be where we are today uh, without without uh, you know being able to lean on each other for, for content and stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, Zach, Zach needs to have somebody who just will talk about a tier nine deck <laughs> ad nauseum. Yes. You know, oh, just... <laughs> as in, as in ad nauseum, the deck? As in ad nauseum, oh, that's a tier nine deck now. That's a hundred percent a tier nine deck. I don't care. Yeah, what ad nauseum still... getting cut. Ad nauseum getting cut now. Okay. Yes, uh, you know, rest in peace ad nauseum. Yeah. Rest in peace ad nauseum. Question, question. Okay. Okay. You're into bad legacy decks, right? <laughs> Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, yeah, I would, wow. I would, at this point, wow. I, no, 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 no. I, I'm saying this with as much love as someone who almost registered the Mighty Quinn at a local. Okay, I was gonna ask, like, what's your like pet bad deck? Because I have a few miracles. Well, miracles. 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 Okay, yeah. It's literally miracles. Can't, can't do that. That, that the magic clips thing clips that specific line. For us. Just what is it? Miracles. It's miracles. Look, okay, my... uh, but seriously, on miracles though, like, do you think triumph has changed things? Like, is triumph good? No, no. The, the <laughs> triumph did at the time. I think triumph changed things when people were still playing lightning bolt, and then since they've moved right. away from lightning bolt, and uh, you know, it's no longer, it's no okay. longer the the you know. Yeah. In my mind, I mean, I'm not going to go anywhere without four triumph in my 75. <laughs> But it is it is not the the truth that it was when EI was still legal. You EI was around. The Malter, after I was... all. <laughs> four Feralingus. That's basically a trick. The angels on acid. Like I'm going to tell you, four, I, I'm not I'm not a believer in fourth. I think fourth. I I've lost more games to fourth by I, I've lost more games to my own monarchy than I, I have won them. Oh, and, uh, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. It's, I look, did it's... see someone register a really weird like warriors deck that miracle. <laughs> Called Sister Repentia the other day. Oh, I, <laughs> oh, oh. I, I have tried Sister Repentia 
and it it is that that card could have been miracled for a single mana. That yeah. it is it yeah. is uh, it is very slow. Like that card is extremely slow and really fragile. Yeah. And they could have just miracled it for a single mana. It would have been fine. I I, I wish I had my sisters now. I've got some painted sisters. I was going to say you guys are from the UK, right? Like you got you obviously have Games Workshop, <laughs> you know, running through your veins, right? Yeah, I I have <laughs> some sisters of battle. I yeah. have some Space Marines. Sa- Sarah Sarah's the the, the nerdiest of the nerds. I, of course, was that was the edgelord dark Eldar player growing up. <laughs> Which kind of Drakari? Oh, you can't just go. say dark Eldar. Here we go. Were you playing Cab Alliance? This was OG, so this is when third edition came out. So right, I was playing okay. like whatever they gave you in the in the original <laughs> army. Uh, yeah. My other my other army was I was playing fantasy was Wood Elves, uh, right. which they didn't even come out with a codex for for another three years after they put out that edition because it started with W and they do it alphabetically. And by that time I was doing other stuff at that point. I had moved on from that hobby. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so my childhood games workshop was fourth edition. So it was yeah. a bit further on. But that's still when like Necrons were just like yeah. nothing, right? Like we thought yeah. they were slaves to the katanas, like the other way around now. Because they did the eighth edition retcon of all of that. Don't know where my sisters are. I wish I who might be in the dark about that, that Sisters of Battle, which is a faction of the Imperium. Uh, who, uh, if I'm not wrong, is where Triumph of St. Catherine comes from? Correct. Yes, so the Triumph of St. Catherine is... Tying like... it all together for Phil. Yeah, very good <laughs> thing. I knew. Yeah. I, I had to do all of my research to understand where Triumph was coming from. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, you know, I, I don't think anything is more... Uh, nothing is more flavorful than me altering my 40k cards. Because you paint your figurines, and I'm painting my cards. And I was like, finally... It's all coming together. They're I have a request so for uh, both of you when we get to that stage for uh, other uh, chess fanatic crossover magic players. When the candidates tournament for chess rolls around, mm-hmm. and then also including Magnus, can you do a thread on what decks you think they would play if they played magic? Oh, that's such a good I'm idea. I'm curious to know if, if Magnus came to, to, to MTG. I'd be curious what deck we, you would put in his hand. I, I would give him miracles. I would give him miracles <laughs> without even thinking about it. You want to know? Why I, my 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 only my only concern about that is you give Magnus miracles and he makes it tier one again in like two weeks, if that. And I'm like, I've been at it my whole life. So, <laughs> so the thing to understand, Magnus, if you don't play chess, is that Magnus is the king of grinding. Magnus will go into what's traditionally thought to be a drawn end game and beat you at it for like for, for, no for anybody who doesn't know Magnus Carlson is like the greatest chess player of, of our lifetimes probably ever yeah, ever ever yeah like I just know that the horse moves in an L yeah the horse he does move in an L <laughs> yeah the um, horse he moves in an L that's what I'm, I'm a, like you Zach <laughs> there's a couple players who are in the goat discussion in terms of chess um, Magnus is definitely one of the strongest up there other people are like kasparov karpov a bunch of the great ussr like chess players but yeah magnus is characterized by the ability to win drawn end games like that's just what he does he will sit there you'll both know it's a draw but he's going to put enough pressure on you that you crack it's a very control Lantern yeah. control. It's, Literally, it's very lantern control. Lantern yeah. control. Oh. Just basically grinding fine pate, like all the rock, like OG rock. Just just grind 
just everything's a fine dust by the time it's all finished and you basically like what happened who died but yeah i am i was thinking uh the the, the style of deck that is the most like that that uh I, I mean i'm you know we were talking magic boomers this is the boomeristy of of boomer things is there was a deck during apocalypse it's only win condition minus the four undermines that it played was nether spirit Oh. One Nether Spirit in the deck to get off the last eight damage you needed after you have cast all four of your undermines and deeded the board several times, uh, and that that to me is that style of deck. Just nothing is left, and then you just win out of nowhere. It's just like, yeah. Did I have that one resource? No, but you just can't play Magic like that anymore. <laughs> theoretically, I could give Magnus lands as well. Yeah. That, that seems quite madness. Uh, Hikaru Nakamura, I give Death Shadow like nine uh, times I was, out I was going to suggest like an aggressive, I was going to suggest like an aggressive, like, tempo we deck. The, the Death Shadow makes sense, but yeah. No, what's, we should... what's the jankiest deck that wins? Like, what's the jankiest deck that wins? Because I want to give that to Rehardra for. Like, jankiest deck that wins! Mystic Forge! Yeah. There you go! Mississippi yeah, yeah, okay. River! Say... Mississippi River! There you go! Yeah, I, 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 I was, I, I'd, give, I'd give Rapport, yeah, I'd give Rapport any kind of combo with, like, you know, he's playing uh, Paradise Storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. He's, he's the only Grandmaster who still sometimes plays the King's Gambit. Like it's yeah. just like <laughs> yeah. I love truly it's incredible. Just, but yeah, I there's a, yeah there's a bunch of those. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like you know, it's been interesting kind of having Sarah's chess knowledge because it's so. It we, we spoke about the whole project. We were just like, there's just not. There's just the knowledge. The knowledge around like especially legacy, like modern and pioneer. I think there are some people who are doing God's work trying to make content for that because it is like pro tour format, all this kind of stuff. But for legacy, like there's the boomers, and of which I, I am one because I am old. But there are definitely those who are just like, hey, this is our deck. I'm like, how does it win? We're like, no, no, but how does it win? What do you do? How do you play it? And they're like, eh. and then it's like up to the content creators to be like, no, this is actually how you do X. This is how you do. It. And then actually when you sit someone down and go hand them a deck, I wish I had my Delver deck close to hand. I don't have it here, but I was like, hey, this is a tempo deck. This is what it does. These are the key cards that you need to look out for. And also being honest with the community. Um, one thing I've sort of said on the video, also said in like discourse, when you learn a deck for the first time, Albert Limblom said this to me, Expect to lose for the first six months. Hey, expect to lose no. for the first year. Just, <laughs> just lose. I, I, me not letting go of miracles. I I haven't won a match in what were eleven, you, twelve what years. Were you, fifteen and fifteen and one uh, in the last like uh, five I, tournaments I, or something. I, I, I've been testing out some some stuff. I'm I'm yeah. I'm like one in nineteen or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. We're all, we all yeah. have it. But you, you know the, the 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 topic of 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 chess and how like the studying how you learn chess and, and crossing it over to magic. One thing that I've, I've thought about with how to explain tempo to somebody as like, there's a million different definitions of tempo. And the more and more that I watch and, and uh, consume chess, the more I think about how to, you could probably relate tempo to how you would relate to uh, positional compensation in chess. Right. And yeah. True. Use, using that as a means to like articulate yeah. beyond just like, you know, it, you buy time or you buy mana or whatever. It's like, I think positional compensation and, and understanding that that yeah. in chess can translate very well to like then how you would navigate a game playing a tempo deck. Yeah, not to not to bog way too down in chess for a while. I'm just going to like point that a little bit. I think it has to be specifically dynamic compensation. 
Yeah. Because I think Sasek can't... Did you just um, actually... (laughs) Well, okay, so positional compensation can mean a lot of things, right? And, like, static compensation is kind of the opposite of tempo, (laughs) is the bit that I'm trying to get. Like, if I sack a rook for a piece, I sack the exchange for an attack, that's dynamic compensation. If I sacrifice a pawn, so your pawn structure is terrible and my pawn structure is good, that's static compensation that comes out over a longer game, right? Like, one wants the game to draw out, like how prison elements work if you're playing like a traditional prison deck. The other one is like, I'm giving up something so I kill you now, which is the dynamic version of it. One of the... Yeah, one of very the... Delver. Wastelanding, because Wastelanding (laughs) puts you behind and them behind, is like the ultimate like dynamic thing. It's me saying, no, you can't do this. I've got better one mana spells than you. I'm going to keep us both on a low resource and I'm going to kill you. Whereas the static compensation is like owling mine. Right? Like, it's it's, we're going to draw like our entire decks and I'm going to win. Like, it's that kind of difference, right? One of the interesting things, actually, that I, I just thought about when you're talking about this is that I I spent about 12 years away from the game between basically Apocalypse to Avacyn Restored. Um, during that time, I did play a lot of poker, and I learned how to play Hold'em to to a point where, like, I paid for, like, a semester of college off of, off of some uh, poker winnings I had. Um, and then coming back to the game after that hiatus and starting to play magic again, I was able to take a lot of that uh, a lot of that knowledge that doesn't necessarily exactly translate over to magic but has has crossover and sort of use it uh, use it in a way that made me uh, definitely because of the time spent not playing magic a better magic player. I don't think I would have been able to come back to the game. After, like, immediately just, like, go and read Phil Helmuth's, like, play poker like the pros and then start trying to apply that to Magic the Gathering. But I think that uh, there's got to be there's got to be something like that for chess. Like, if you have, like, for me, it would be play poker like the pros by Phil Helmuth. Um, but is there is there a book like that that you would prescribe to somebody looking to up their magic game as a chess player? So there's like a couple recommendations, and it kind of depends exactly how you want to like improve your magic, I guess. Um, it also kind of depends what level of chess player you are. I think uh, for me, how to reassess your chess fourth edition was one of the best kind of works on how to like break down something complicated into simplified things that you can then compare. Um, which is a lot of how I kind of determine sideboard plans and working out like matchup role in Magic. Is I kind of look at two deck lists and I kind of like break down the differences. Um, how to reassess your chess is kind of like one of those big books. Like it's kind of yeah, like it's this like uh, the the super um, system. Yeah, yeah, it's it just breaks down like any position in chess down to constituent what they call imbalances. Because the way the logic goes, if two things are the same, you just ignore it, right? Because they're the same on both sides; it doesn't affect anything. So you just look at what's different between your position and your opponent's position. And then you can work out, well, they've got the advantage here, I've got the advantage there, so I need to try and make the game about this and not about this, right? Like, yeah. it's that kind of simple thing. That's that's like the basics of, like, draft shortcutting when you're, uh, mm-hmm. when you're playing Magic, where you're like, last turn, we were even. This turn, this changed. And, like, you only really have to deal when you're playing, when you're playing at such a low resources uh, game, what's changed and what exists in that environment. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that... 
that translates well into into magic that that concept i honestly feel though like the thing that helped me the most from chess isn't like knowledge but it's just like the way that chess upgraded my pattern recognition in general Mm -hmm. uh when you're like a serious tournament chess player you sit around solving tons of what are called tactics puzzles they're just like you have a position it says white to move and win and you just have to like tell the puzzle what you think the best move is and you end up building like a database in your head of like a bunch of common tactics and then really really hard tactics puzzles like the master level ones just tend to be like combinations of a bunch of those themes like all stacked on top of each other and you kind of develop this sense of being able to shortcut through pattern recognition it's just learning like, how like, to learn yeah yeah it's that kind of learning how to learn thing and yeah. i found like this season when i did my best competitive magic and stand it was because i sat down and i approached standard that way i was like okay mm-hmm. my deck does this that's great but what do i actually have to care about i have to play around this on turn three from this deck i have to play against this and turn four from this deck like i kind of just worked out what all the best plays for my opponent's decks were and then if i was in the position to play around them i did and then suddenly i was top eighting a bunch of like ptqs like it can sometimes be that simple, but you have to kind of make that leap. Like yeah. when you're brand new to something, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you just need someone to kind of like sit you down and go, right, this is actually what matters here. I know you're thinking about like manner efficiency. You're thinking of this, you're thinking of this. You read some SEG article one time and you're yeah. misapplying this concept. You're still thinking about Patrick Shapin's book that you read like two years ago. But actually, I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say, as I'm saying, I got Shapin Flores, Zim Auschwitz, I got all of that. The Flores de- uh, book that came out in, I want to say, 2013. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was an audio book first. And um, that one was great because uh, Flores would have you smile at the beginning of each chapter for 10 minutes in silence. Are you running an ad? Like, what's happening here? Look, Michael Flores, (laughs) Michael Flores wrote the best thing about Burn that's ever been written. Like, the three stages of how to play a Burn deck. I freaking love Michael. I will... Yeah. I will like literally like go whatever happens for that. Cause... Well, one one of the great things about about that book is that at the end of the ten minutes, he goes, "Are you still here? Did you ever leave?" And <sighs> and like yes. what was great about that was that it became sort of an in joke with me and, and and Phil knows Lee Zhu, where we both read that book together, and and so Lee ends up having to play him on a camera match, <laughs> and and of course Lee Lee won the match, and so. As Lee's packing up, I go, hey, Lee, are you still here? And he goes, I never left. Yeah. And he gets up, and I can see Flores, like, nod. Like, he was like, I just got got by a guy who read my book. But, like... That's amazing. We had created this in-joke between ourselves that, like, Mike Flores was a part of. And then he got, like, kind of... Kind of pumped on it, which was oh, kind of I love that. that. That's got to be such a bittersweet feeling, right? <laughs> yeah. like, like it's like if you went up against like a coaching client that you had, and yeah. they just trash yeah. you, I'm and you're just like, "Oh, I'm such a good teacher." I'm, to be honest, <laughs> when the the student defeats the master, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so waiting to beat my coach, like to beat my my own magic coach. I'm so ready to like face him and be like. 
okay, let's dance. And just like, he probably is going to crush me, but I am waiting to just, I'm, every time there's like any tournament on, I'm like, oh, are you going to be there? And he's like, <laughs> maybe. And then he's not there and I'm very sad. And then I'm like, it's on the weekend's coming. I'm like, are you going to be there? And he's like, maybe. And I was like, oh, I was like, yes, well, that is, the dream. That is the beauty of magic that you don't get from chess is, is the variance that allows uh, someone like me to beat someone like Mike Flores occasionally, you know. I beat ha- I beat Javier Dominguez. I mean, I was you know I beat Javier Dominguez um, at, a, at an event. So like it, it does happen, which I find interesting yeah. with magic because it you get to do that occasionally, and that's kind of cool. But I think that the certainly there's some you know our last uh, our last video we did, I, like I said we did this big review gameplay and we worked through a lot of the the sort of nuts and bolts. Effectively, it was like a coaching session between me and Sarah. And we were just kind of working through a lot of the plays. And I think what a lot of players, when it comes to like learning magic and getting better at magic, is just being like, I say vulnerable is the wrong, I mean, I'm going to call it vulnerable for one of a better word, but just being like humble and being like, hey, here's, here's what I did. Is it good? No. Okay. How can I make it better? And I think a lot of play. I think there's uh, yeah approaching with a learning mindset. Yeah, growth is, mindset is, is generally what yeah, we call. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Growth mindset, learning mindset. But I think a lot of I think there's that sort of Levine trench of players who go, well, I think I'm amazing, and I think it's it, it's the, the uh, oh, 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 so it was the it's the sort of one four bracket vibes of like oh I just got very out the game, and I'm just like. I'm like, yeah, yeah like uh, sometimes. Not two, but it was close. The sun yeah. was in my eyes. I had to take yeah. a cat for a walk. I've done it too. There's, we've all been there. We've all, we've all really, said it. There's actually a really great line uh, that, that he says all the time, but is in Play Poker Like the Pros by Phil Helmuth, which is if there was no variance in poker, I would win every game, uh, which is so much hubris. Well, that's actually Phil, rude. isn't it? Yeah, that's Phil Helmuth. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely Phil Helmuth. Uh, but I, I like that because that tells you that tells you two things about that guy. One, oh my God, the ego on that dude. Uh, and two, that that uh, he's he's applying the fact that like, look, even even if you get the best knowledge, the best teaching, every you know everything goes right for you, you still got to wait for the river. You know, like there's yeah. always that chance everything's going to go wrong for you. Um, which again. In chess, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Chess is a completely controlled game, and and for the most part, the better player should win every time. Yeah, should is the yeah. operative word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time, time, time constraint in that game also like uh, adds a lot to that. Yeah. It's like, also like sometimes I, you just get paired into someone who plays some wacky offbeat opening, knows it way better than you do, yeah. and it's like ah. Oh, this does make up like the 100 ELO difference. Kind yeah. of mm-hmm. Or there's the guy, you know, in, in, in Legacy, you can take that as the guy who tries to go off, who, who plays Storm, but he plays Quicken in his deck. Yeah. You yeah. know, like it's just chain- somebody, every now and again, someone's just doing something weird it's the- and they're going to get I'm, you on that. I know, I know. Two- Zach, I'm right here. Come on. <laughs> okay. So there's two players in my head that that happens to. One, there's always one guy I play whenever I go to Italy, who plays the Chain of Smog combo, but not like Chain of Smog, like with Nick Fit or whatever, which is kind of like the way it should be done. I'm talking like Dark Confidant into Silver Library. I'm like, what year is it? Firstly, what year is it? (laughs) And I just always get paired and I'm always just like, come on. Like I literally like, what is happening the second one is a friend of mine and um the reason why i got into legacy in the first place was my friend frio andresia who plays rectifit uh at any Ooh. event that he's allowed sandra to play sandra bullock San, actual fact not even sat not even sandy b just like 
uh, it's, I mean, Sandy B adjacent, but it's basically um, one of my funniest stories recently is he got, he actually at one of the four seasons got paired into Mississippi River. Theo had an overwhelming splendor. So every time the, the, Missis, the creative technique player would go off, they just couldn't cast anything because nothing. Everything's a one-one. So Emma yeah. calls a one-one. It's just like I was just there, like, what is happening? This is not magic. What is literally going on? <laughs> and my brain just melts. Uh, but he yeah. figured it out, and I love that for him. But like those kind of like those off-piece and path stuff, like that's all. Like you need like. One thing I like about Legacy, and this is kind of the, I think we joked about the whole boomer thing, but there is a lot of players, and I would say maybe in the States also, but I think in the Europe, where just there's some players who play Legacy like occasionally, and they have like their four color loan deck that was like good in like 2015, that they maybe have updated like one card, or they're playing like Enchantress. Uh, or like you know something that is you know synonymous of a time in legacy where it's I mean I'm saying there's like, a guy who plays miracles there's a guy who plays miracles who's that guy who's that I mean you say the thing is you say that you say that okay okay I don't know if you guys have ever played in Italy the Italians love control uh, so there will be the odd there, there will be I mean Angela Kadai basically is playing miracles as close as you know without putting miracle cards in his deck is basically playing miracles miracleless uh, miracles. Mir- I have a, a, a deep uh, spiritual connection to the, the uh, European legacy scene because they, they're all doing what I want to be doing. Exactly. They're just doing it better than I am. You, yeah. should, you should come to a Four Seasons. That's all I have We would really love to, love to get out there for that. I think after, uh, you know, one, uh, the next year, I think, is going to be a big yeah. ramp up for us. Uh, you know, we're just about to... Uh, the 1k like monetization yeah, point for youtube and stuff go. which is super cool hey, like and subscribe yeah exactly like comment. share subscribe uh, all that fun stuff but uh but with that said you guys uh, I, i'm guessing the answer is no but you guys aren't going to vegas are you no no so we, we just got a, a like an approval for content creator status at vegas yeah, which let's is rad. Go. but uh so we're we're still deciding whether or not we can go i i really want to but like it's a lot of money yeah. to fly across the states yeah moreover uh we got a uh, an extra ticket that they were sending to us. So if you guys were going, we would be happy to give you one. Yeah, I. It's it is honestly like I because of Eternal Weekend. If Eternal Weekend wasn't happening, I'd come to Vegas. Yeah. Um. Because holy Moses, I went to Magic Con Barcelona. Like I did a whole blog yeah. about it. It was all very fun. Um. But yeah, I I think Eternal Weekend. I was even looking at going to Eternal Weekend in the states, but then I was doing the maths and I was like, that's a lot of money. A lot, yeah. That is a lot of money. But it's it. I'm just glad there's Eternal Magic happening. So thank yeah. the gods there is Eternal they, Magic. They always seem to do like GP Vegas, like just outside of the time yeah. frame where I could justify it by another event that happens in Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to kill two like, birds Evo one stone. happened like a couple yep. of weeks ago. Yeah, it's like it's always, I wanna go, always like, right next to each other. Yeah. I want to go to Evo, use this thing, and play some fighting games. Yeah, and exactly. Then go like, to magic. You want it to be like combining of two things at the same time. But yeah, I, yeah. I to that end, if if you're not, if you guys aren't going, and we're gonna. What we're going to do is we're going to take that ticket and we're going to pass it on to uh, anyone who comments below that is going. Like, if you're going to Vegas, just comment, like, Vegas or something like that, and uh, we'll do a random drawing and give and give that ticket yeah. to somebody who's actually going to use it. It's going to go – no, seriously, if, if no one has been to a Magic, like, event in, in this kind of time frame of these cons – 
They are an incredible experience. So much fun. They're so, so much, much fun. fun. I had so much fun in Barcelona. Um, but I think I'm actually one thing I'm actually I want to ask you is I am super, super glad that Eternal Weekend was given with enough advance because, fan, yeah. because again, we're all old. The majority of legacy and vintage players, we're old. We have houses and one well, of the houses but like we have responsibilities <laughs> some of you have houses some of us have houses <laughs> uh you know we, some of us have responsibilities and like things like that so i'm just yeah. glad that hopefully people can get out and like yeah. play eternal magic um i'm kind of sad that it's there's not a i mean like, I, I know they can't make it like proxy friendly because of like the status of like they can too they, I mean, yeah like a vintage <laughs> could be like well you can have the there's no reason that it can't be yeah, exactly but the, the, the that, that's a proxy. That's a complete ghost to say that, like, because it's sanctioned, it can't be proxy. Yeah. There's no, there's no real reason it can't be Exa- proxy. So like, let's be for real. the the one that the one thing that I find interesting when I've spoken to my friends across the pond is the proxy conversation is quite a tense one, and I think it's because everything is kind of like led by the LGS. Whereas yeah, well, we're coming around on that now. Yeah. I think I, I think it's starting to Buffalo it's starting to dip legacy. Let's go slowly. Yeah, BCDL like heard our cries. Perfect, a perfect like, example of how how it's come. It, yeah. It's starting to like the the no's are starting to get outweighed by the yeses yeah. at this point. And, and I, I think, think I think it's going to happen over time, but it's, it's going to take about five more years. Yeah, I of think. course, and I think in Europe, this is where we. This is I think the difference is I think a lot of legacy and eternal magic is not necessarily done at the LG. I'm not like most of the big events are all non-proxy like you know four seasons yeah. the main events uh for legacy they're non-proxy the accent events in the UK aren't non-proxy same with like the big you know German Spanish events Italian events things like that but your small you know 20 40 60 whatever size event you want you know your weekly whatever monthly whatever it may be that has literally no reason but to just get people going but I think that Certainly with the people I've spoken to in the States, it's, it is more about the destination like things. Like you go to an SCG, you go to an NRG, you go to like, yeah. to, you know, if, you, if you're West Coast, you're going to, to, you're going to MXP, you're going to wherever. Whereas here it's like, hey, we've got like a monthly in like a, in a, in a LGS in the middle of like Nottingham, which is like the, yeah. which is like the middle of the country. And like, I think it's just, a, I think the, the scale is different, but I think that, I think that the Europeans have kind of flown the good flag enough that we're just like, just get, just get on the train, just get on, just get in. It's all great. Um, and especially with like the ELM stuff, I remember I was on a, I was with a song to Anorak desk, good guy Anorak. And he was like, what can we do to do the same thing? And I was like, look, I can barely do 20 countries. You guys can figure yourself out if you want to try and do like an American version of it. Oh, baby, that's a whole different challenge. But he was like, oh, maybe we can like try to work together. I'm like, look, half of you barely talk to the other half. Some of you, America's so fucking big. Like Europe, like, I don't know actually if if Europe is like half the states, like like sort of size wise, it's like half the states. And we're just like, okay, I can barely do that. (laughs) And it's like, oh. I know the UK is about the same size as New Jersey. That's about Basically, yeah. Which is hilarious. Because when I hear, oh my God, I remember chatting to, when I was planning to go to Eternal Weekend, I was like, oh, well, I'll drive you. I'm like, where are you driving from? It's like, Virginia. I'm like, I'm in DC. Like, yeah, I'll drive. I'm like, 
Mate, that's three hours. I can get to freaking Nottingham in three hours. I barely got, like, I honestly just like, I find it mind boggling. I, I genuinely find it mind boggling that you guys will drive like four or five hours. I'm like, four or five hours? I get to Sarah in four or five hours. I'm like, I'm like and that's a good, like, not, I love Sarah, but like, that's going to be a good reason. They used to wake me up at four in the morning so that we could drive to Baltimore to go play in an event and then drive back home that same night that is, like he would be like that's let's insane. go play we're gonna we're gonna get in my car at like 4 a.m we're gonna get down there the, the tournament started like nine or ten or whatever and then like after we play three rounds and scrub out we'll drive back home. i was about to say like what if one of you top eights it almost never happened so it's never been it's never <laughs> so been a problem never been an issue. <laughs> yeah, it, here here's also the, the way that usually that breaks down is uh the worst possible outcome is if somebody top eights in your car. Yeah. yeah because then 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 you 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 as the there there are two types of friend groups. The friend groups that's like we got to stick out we we're sticking around, we're cheering on our, t- our 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 team member essentially in the top eight, we're rooting them until the end. And then there's the other kind of group of friends that's like, "Oh, I hope you lose. I'm rooting <laughs> for you to lose." Because they want to go they want to go home. Bro, and bro, you can take your winnings and get a cab to to back to New York. Yeah, yeah it, 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 and the, 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 I remember distinctly back in like the 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 SEG days of old, where the, the events would be on a single day, and top eights would go into like three in the morning because you know they just didn't schedule is that their Italian events all that well. Is that is that is that the and, sound of Italian events when everything takes ten times it, as long? And it was it's literally like if you have a friend in a winning in and everybody else is scrubbed, everybody in the car is like, oh god, I hope they lose. Yeah, you're just like <laughs> so. Like, the <laughs> best example I give when I go to Four Seasons events is that I call them italian rounds because so if around at, at, at any event is 50 minutes maybe like 55 if you're kind of playing a good place italian events hour 10 hour 10 hour 15 if you're if, if it's just if all of our events run about an hour and 10 in the states i oh, feel fair like. enough if it's just it's, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm very much on the abolished five extra turns side of things I, just get rid of those i'm also get like i'm at the stage now where i'm also kind of there's there's certain things with like with with magic where i'm just like maybe we can just finish it now this is fine but yeah i i think that it's again legacies in a really interesting position i i kind of feel that you know everyone was like oh bone monsters bone monsters bone monsters i'm like you know what it's fine like every i i had i think it was like punishing waterfalls posted like the top three creatures and it was like orcish bowmasters plague engineer and brazen boron like yeah all those events are online like show me some paper events and then people can calm down. Like I I yeah. I find it frustrating where everyone's like, oh my god, Okish Bomos is the best thing to be doing. I'm like, yeah, do you know why? Because the same ten people are playing freaking Orkish Bowmasters. Yeah. And then you're just like like don't get me wrong, Grixis Delva and Death Shadow are the best decks in the format right now. But it's not every it's not it is not the same It's also still fresh enough that it's like at least it's not blue red delver. Like I don't have to stare at the same I mean, you know, the same beat up volcanic island that my opponent's been playing for the last twenty years. You know, I mean, I don't usually get something else. I mean, I mean, sometimes that's like that. That that those volcanic islands are still getting love. They're just getting love in a slightly different way. I mean, there's some people in the UK who are still like blue red delver dedicated players, and that's I think that's not that's not the worst idea. Honestly, if you can figure out way you know a way to beat the the bowmaster itself, if you're playing blue red delver, Mm -hmm. like there was a point in time. I I always say this, and I know it's probably not as true today as it was two years ago 
that there's no healthier legacy than one that has three or four viable uh, Delver decks yeah. because they're all playing different styles of the same deck. Phil doesn't agree with me on this. I know that. But like that's just not a thing lately. It's always just like whatever the most popular Delver deck is is what everyone is agreed to play. Yeah, yeah. I think the Grix, the fact that Grixis and Shadow... Also, the thing about people go like, oh, I don't, I've, I've spoken to a lot of players recently. Uh, well, maybe not a lot, but a few players who are like, I want to learn how to play Shadow. And I'm like, I think I was watching Anorag again... Big up Anorak Desk. I remember watching Anorak play Shadow and he's, he was I don't get it. I just my brain doesn't get it. I for me, it's it like it's it's a whole different way of playing that for me just doesn't click. And I'm not saying you'll never click, but it, it needs, like I said, you need to sit there for six months and be humble and accept you're losing and watch content and expose yourself to players to do it and accept that there's maybe like four or five shadow players in the world that are very, very good at that archetype. And they're the ones who are putting up the results. And the other plebs are just kind of seeing, you know, getting along the ride and things like that. So it I mean, I'll say as as a shadow player, I think that a lot of the a lot of the work in that deck as far as learning how to play that deck is done through playing yeah. through playing Delver. And once you understand what you're doing and what your payoffs are, uh, you know, it, it just comes down to like the payoffs have, have started to move away from being like, oh, it's the best shadow deck. Like, that Shadow's definitely the best card you can get down and attack with. But the way that that deck works now isn't so much that, like, oh, we're just going to pay it off to play Death Shadow because, especially because now some of the decks are 80 card versions of that deck. Yeah. And there's only four payoffs. Yeah. You know, there's only four payoffs. So it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, train to be running when you're like, okay, well, I want to be this deck, but I, my payoffs are the four cards and the 80 cards now. So I think, I think Death Shadow, uh, Learning the deck is, is uh, like I said, most of the payoffs are from Delver. But I also think that right now, the reason why that deck is doing as well as it is is because Black is back, right? Yeah. Because Bowmasters is back. Snuff Out is, is, is a card that people are looking at and being like, oh, this is really good. But I think that the deck is always going to be tier two until we get another Death Shadow, like another yeah, another, another payoff for that for that deck you, because you're you got doing one. a lot of you work. Got one, you got one a while back. It's just we're doing, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> Scourge of the Skyclaves or like uh, what, what's the other one, uh, Spirit of Mortality or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not enough. Yeah, they're, they're, not they're just like my, my my hot take is that card is Troll of Kazad Doom. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I do think agree. Is, with I you. think it's troll. Yeah, it's, it's... it's troll and and reanimate together. But the problem is, is that those aren't payoffs for losing all that life. Yeah, yeah. Those are just things that are happening because you're losing life. Yeah. What I'm asking for is, we need one more card to be that suing. gives you a reason to lose all that life. Why are you playing Shocklands if like the only card in your deck? is a four of makes a big guy. Well, that's you know, a difference. I'm playing it because I'm playing Berserk. Yeah. So it makes sense when I have a 13-13 in so, play and I just slam over somebody. Yeah. The thing I found, because I did consider doing Shadow instead of Painter for the sliding project. And one of the things I kind of found myself doing was just like watching good Shadow players and just noting down the life totals where they stop shocking themselves. Yeah. So you have six? Like, so like six well, no, this is the thing. It, it varies depending yeah. on matchup. And I, like I think that. that's where most people who have like those six months of just pure dying, the problem is they're putting themselves too low. Mm. So yeah. like if you watch like Ikada or Mr. UC on Twitter play Shadow, you'll notice in some matchups he's willing to put himself down to like three. And in some matchups, there's like stopping exactly at ten. Well, there are so many times when you're playing where uh, you know that if you have out one or two shadows, 
and your opponent attacks you, they know that they lose. Yeah. yeah. Then you put them in a no-win situation. They can't do the thing to you that wins them the game unless they do it all in one shot, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's, it, it's interesting in, in looking at that where that's not a thing that you pull over from, from Delver. Uh, the crackback that grows when you get hit. Yeah, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's sort of a it's sort of a thing that only happens in Death Yeah, Show. I've done that. I've done that as the Delver player multiple times, where I'm just like, oh no, I'm oh I'm dead. Oh, I'm just yeah. dead. But I find it, yeah, like it's again. I'm glad black is back as a mid range color. I'm glad it's back as a tempo color. You know, it's it's so good. It's po- it's healthy for the format. And I think a lot of players, the the lamenting of Orcish Bowmasters, I'm just like, well, don't don't just expect. You know, like it's not Ragavan. It's not Renin Six. Heck, it's not freaking Astrolabe. Like, oh my god! I, every time I think of Arkham's Astrolabe during that period, I, I shiver. And I'm someone who played Red and Six and Oko in the same deck. Uh, so good. Um, but yeah, like it. It's just I think Legacy's in a really interesting spot. It's going to be interesting now that people are going to be putting more eyes on it because Eternal Weekend is coming. Hopefully. Yeah. Sorry, Phil, you're going to say well, something. Uh, I, I was just going to be. I was curious with. Uh both uh, ELM and then uh, Eternal Weekend, I was going to ask you what you expect to be winning deck for both tournaments. Because one thing that I'm constantly uh, curious about is how the different sections of the world maximize different archetypes. So like, you know, what the expectations of like what does well in America versus Europe versus like Japan. I'm always fascinated by how like regions dictate what does well and what doesn't. And then how some of the best combo players are in Europe. And so does that affect how, you know, other people's deck choices and things like that? So, I mean, that was a little bit of a tangent, yeah, but like, I... I was curious, we, we, you know. So, so fortunately we have Legacy Data Collection, Nicola Guidi, who is the, basically the, the Joseph Dyer, but in, and... Shout out to Joseph Dyer. Shout, shout Joseph Dyer, shout Nicola Guidi, shout out Legacy Data Collection. They do God's work. And so for the four seasons, I usually use that as like a litmus test for what is going to be played. And if I re- recall, the top decks were like Control and I think Black Saga Storm did well, Cloud posted well, I think. Unless something is super broken in Eldraine, um, I expect it to be like... See, it's tough because it, when you go to Italy, it's strange. Because when you go to Italy, like their Tundra game is everywhere because they love a Tundra game. So for me, as a as a Moon Stompy player, I'm like, let's go. But I also know that because it's proxy friendly... You're going to have there's a lot there are a lot of play there are a lot of painter players who are going to be there. There's going to be a lot of lands players who are going to be there, and there's going to be a lot of blue players who are going to be there. So it's probably one of those three um, that probably take it, unless something so, weird and wonderful happens. To tighten that up a little bit, the reason I don't think it's going to be painter, even though I really hope it is, is that I think right now we're seeing like a trend up in Mystic Forge being played in paper. And we're seeing eight cast kind of come back a little bit in European paper events as well. And because of that, people are null rodding a lot more. Um, yeah. And it's one of those things that even as that causes things to die down, paper always kind of like lulls behind. Mm-hmm. So I think by the time we get that in paper, we're still going to be seeing quite a lot of null rods. I think lands is a really good shout just because of how many extremely skilled lands players we have in Europe. Yeah. Um, it- It'll be interesting. I... My actual bet is a Doomsday Gamer is going to win uh, four seasons. Uh, the ELM. Event. You think that's it... like my prediction? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm also like Team Dooms. Yeah, it's going to be Doomsday, or it's going to be something to do with that scam shell. 
that is being tested mm. by Mengucci and um, uh, I mean Max is Max Max Torsion has tried it, Jarvis has tried it, um, Easy Money Marksman, who I now cannot remember the name of the top of my head, but they are all testing the scam deck. That's basically take Shadow out, put yeah. Grief Reanimate Troll in. And I think that deck will probably also do well. But I also suspect that the Storm decks will come and things like that. I, the thing is, the the player base, like looking at what people have qualified with, like a lot of people qualify with Painter, which is why I said Painter would be there. And then in for Eternal Weekend, I genuinely think it's probably going to be a control deck or a blue deck of some description, unless something is completely busted between now and Eternal Weekend that basically breaks everything in half. I think a lot of people are going to play Shadow, but then if everyone's going to play Shadow, then certain decks are good against Shadow. Or do well. It's the kind of the circle of life, effectively. But yeah, yeah. I, I think a blue I, deck I, will do well. I've got kind of like a slightly out of left field prediction if it's not Doomsday as well. This is kind of like a level two or level three kind of observation. But because Bowmasters got printed, everyone's kind of taken very macabre kind of out of their sideboards because uh-huh. they feel like they don't need it for cephalid breakfast anymore and cephalid breakfast has shifted to playing orim's chant plan Ooh. to prevent like bowmasters so i think cephalid breakfast if you really want to like level two level three this might be one of the best decks to reg as long as you're specifically on that orim's chant build there's many good cephalid uh, breakfast players in the in europe as well uh, we have yeah. a good chunk of them as well. So I think it's... The thing is, in Europe, we have such good quality in all the archetypes, honestly. Like, you know, I can literally go through all the top decks in the format and we've got one or two, if not, like, multiple players who are just good at that deck. And, you know, I think, you know, last the last ELM was done one by initiative uh, and the, the second place were Reanimator. Like, I wouldn't be surprised Reanimator doing well. Like, honestly, like, Reanimator just looks at all this stuff is like, well, apart from Bowmasters, but like... With Fairy Macabre being played less, it's totally possible. Exactly. They just yeah. go, oh, cool. I'm not going to get Grizzlebrand. I'm going to get Atraxer. Here you go. Here's an Atraxer. Here's an Archon. Nice Bowmasters. Uh, so, you know, get wrecked. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I I'm, I foresee... I'm seeing... It's going to be interesting. I, But it also yeah. means that now people... Also, the other thing we have in the UK, we've got Command Fest Europe, and that also is going to have two very big legacy events in the lead up to Eternal Weekend. So there's going to be, a, if people are kind of doing the grind for legacy, you have four seasons in uh, in September. You could then go feasibly play in Birmingham in October, then go to Eternal Weekend in November, and then you effectively have like two full months of like playing highest high level magic to then get good at the list you want to have so you know certainly for me once i have submitted my phd paper and it's into the sunset i have two i thank god um uh, i'm gonna basically do a bunch of like preparation and start the grind for that and you know we'll probably showcase it on the channel and stuff like that but yeah it's gonna be super fun i'm excited just to play magic kind of like like a weird pivot on kind of the same question i guess is like if we imagine all of us kind of like stopped the content creation grind and like were super taking these events seriously. What are you talking about? I'm taking them seriously. Would... <laughs> yeah, but I mean like super seriously. Oh, okay, right? yeah, like, yeah, let's say right. we were like like super tournament mindset. But just really gave wanting... up the 15 hours a week that I spend on editing exactly. three videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if we were going <laughs> to sit here and go, right, we want to top eight this event. The question is, what deck would you register, and would you pivot? from the deck that you like the most 
right? Like some of us, we play one archetype. Like I've traditionally been a depths player. I'm now playing painter for the channel. Um, like if I was to go to these events and really, really try and win, I would probably pivot decks and I would probably pivot to, um, I think probably 80 card shadow actually. Yes. I kind of, yeah, I really I, I like I like 80 card shadow myself, yeah. I, I, I think I think if I were to answer that though, I would be on 8 cast and I would just refine the holy heck out of my yeah, sideboard. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, like so would you come with plans for the null rods or would you just have Yeah, I think I think well, one of the things is so we're pu- we're currently playing two Odawara, two Island I think I would go up, up to a third Odawara in the deck just to deal just to deal with the, the, every time I've Odawara to Nullrod, I've just immediately won right after. Yeah, that makes sense. Like that, that, because they spend so much time sitting behind that, and they just have this like false sense of security, and it's just like boop, and then you just run them over the next turn. Yeah. Um. So I think I think you know a slight change in the main board, and then really refining what I want for my for my sideboard would be what I do, and I think that the deck is still incredibly strong even though it's slightly i think underrepresented in the format right now but i think a cast is exactly where i would want to be based on the number of reps i have with the deck and whatnot after that 80 card shadow is like where where my heart lives so maybe maybe there but yeah i think a cast for me that would be i would probably just reprise the stompy queen hat and just take my true take my true villain arc form and just do the 15 16 prison piece Although saying that, I'm staring at a Delver deck right now, just looking at me, lamenting, going, why are you not playing me? Um, but yeah, like if I was, I think I'd probably still play Prison because I think it's good against like the top decks in the format. And I think if everyone's being greedy and everyone's, you know, doing stuff like that, for me, that makes sense. But I would also like Zach probably refine Stompy because I think it has some very heinous matchups that it needs to be redressed, and obviously Phil's playing miracles. <laughs> I was going to say I, I thought I, Phil's Phil's on goblins. <laughs> Death and taxes. Phil registered the card Mother of Runes. And Honestly, I, I can see Phil Phil trying Death and Taxes before I think he would try goblins. <laughs> register the card Mother of Runes and basic claims. Uh, I, I I have a uh, an ongoing agreement with everybody who I travel with that. If at any point I start discussing the possibility of sleeving up lava spike, that they need to take me to like they need to like pull over and like have uh, an intervention. <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah okay? I think they just leave you. Are at you the, emotionally available? They leave you at the Molly Pitcher rest stop on on the New Jersey Turnpike. I think yeah, at that basically. point, basically, yeah. 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 I, I I probably my, my options I think would be obviously I would still sleeve up miracles and you know that that would just call it a day. But the other two things I do is like I have two people that I travel with that are both very much breakfast specialists at this point, and I put up a lot of results. And so I probably just lean on their expertise if I wasn't stubborn. Uh, and the other thing that I would probably do is if I could, if somebody was like, you can't play miracles, I'd probably just look at whatever seventy-five Mark Vote is playing. Trust that he's figured it well, out. He came to yeah, game. That's probably he smart. came to game. Probably- yeah. We love. We love. Yeah. I'm a big Mark fan. Like Mark. Uh, so it's interesting. I love Mark, but Mark and so at Four Seasons events, Mark. Uh, Voigt and Niv Shmuley, who's the other controls mage. These two always, when they come together, they're, de- they're de- they- they- these two and Anorak, I'm just there like, your lists are completely different from one another. Can you, and Niklas Holtman. Niklas Holtman, madman that he is, the loudest man in every room. I thought I was louder than I met Niklas Holtman. Um, <laughs> these four control mages 
disagree at a base level of how their deck is constructed. But for some reason, their decks work. And I'm like, how? How do you guys make these four-color control decks, which are completely different from each other, how the hell do you make them work? It just it boggles my mind. But yeah, I, I would say yeah, Mark's probably a good shout on all things um control and like you know if, certainly for a european meta i imagine mark doing very well but also we've got thomas schmar and thomas schmar's gonna turn up with like 18 18 land double him to talk you know to him to torag drown in the lock baleful strix uh delver secrets and i'm just gonna cry because i'm gonna lose to it um you, you know so who else I, I would probably like re- i would reach out to to be like give me if you were to play a control ish list or something that steers in that direction. I would actually probably reach out to Callum. Uh, I, I feel like every time he's ever sleeved up Esper cards, he just crushes an yeah. event. And then he's like, actually, I enjoy Painter more, so let me go back to that and then also crush. But like, anytime he's ever put Esper cards into a deck list, he's like somehow in the top eight or winning the event, and nobody else is on what so he's doing. Him and- I find it really weird that like Esper Stoneblade is now the most popular Stoneblade deck. It's, it's kind of weirding me out well it's, I, it's marcus, it feels wrong it's 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 because of marcus ewald francis cowper and to a certain extent callum occasionally playing those cards like there's this weird syndicate of like old miracles players just trying to with peace and love feel something and they go well, yeah, just feel something. Feel, i yeah. just want to feel something <laughs> stoneforce mystic yeah. do we feel something now so i think that's that's i think what it is but we i think i'm first you know I'm very fortunate that I get access to Callum and Francis like regularly if I have that chance and just having the knowledge that they do it's like it's an, it's incredible effectively. But yeah, it's all it's it's all good. Like I'm I'm just oh, I just love legacy so much. I love this format so much. Yeah. I love vintage too. Well, love vintage too. Also love it. So we've got what another 2 weeks before ELM. Yeah. Uh, that so that's great. Um and then and then right around the corner is Eternal Masters. Uh so that, yeah, I guess it all depends on sorry. Eternal Weekend. Whoa. Eternal Masters. Uh, oh my god. That's, that's, that re- was like six years ago. Oh my god. Are they reprinting um, Force of Will again? Let, reprint Force no. of Will again. <laughs> keep reprinting Force of Will. Keep reprinting but Force I, I say all that to say this. It, it all kind of remains to be seen. And uh, you know we'll have to tune in uh, in the coming weeks to see to see what the format looks like. It's going to be great. But with that, yes, where, where 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 do we watch? Where do we watch? Twitch.tv slash four tournaments. I'm going to double check that while I'm saying we'll it. have all these links in yes, the description. Yes, there'll be the and links in the description. Well, yeah. Twitch.tv slash four tournaments. I'm going to double actually. You know, I'm now check now. Now you've made me worried. Four. <laughs> I'm going to double check. I think it's four seasons tournaments. If it's just a full title, the number. The, the, the number. number. What do you mean the number? The number four. Number four. The number four. The number four. Yes, the number four. The number four. It's the character four. The character four. Four the number Top four, the letter, the number four seasons tournaments. Twitch or CV four seasons tournaments. Text coverage also available via Twitter. And yeah, it will start 10.30 Central European time. So it's a bit early for the Americans, but it should be. It's great. We can wake up and catch up on it. Yeah, you can just catch up and just be like, here's, we're like middle of the day. It's like. Nothing, nothing we love more than morning coffee and legacy. Yeah, yeah let's go. It's going to be great. All right. Well, I, I think that does it for us this week. Uh, again, uh, Sarah Sahar, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a blast. I, had, I mean, I had a blast hanging out with y'all. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and and I want more primers on correlating uh, chess to magic strategy. Like I, oh, I love yeah. that. I can. I, I, I eat that up. Yeah, it's, uh, that was actually an incredibly, incredibly in- interesting uh, conversation. Yeah, it was super fun, guys. Thank you so much. When I find ways to like 
inch it in. I'll try my best. Um, All right, we'll find a way. If there's a will, there's a way. Uh, but yeah, we've right. had so much fun. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, of course. F- come and su- come and hang out. Like, there's so much legacy content now. It's so exciting. Yes. Yeah, we would love we would love to ju- jump on with you guys Yo, sometime and, and, just... and do and do a <laughs> do a run. That would be great. Um, just on that. So, Phil, do you play chess much? Are you? So I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've never, but I've never, um, and yes, I play, but I've never fully like sat down and been like, I am going to get competitive. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I consume just as much chess content as I'm I do. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, like float content. an idea here for like the future, probably sometime next year. But I have like talked about like doing kind of like crossover videos from the legacy gambit mm-hmm. into like other hobbies. I already have an idea of doing like a, how like, street fighter for magic players kind of like a thing Mm -hmm. so i mean if you're interested maybe at some point next year we do like a chess for magic players kind of thing would love it and yeah like if you're willing to be like if you're willing to be a guinea pig for like me explaining chess in magic terms i've yeah, I've I'd had I've had that. terminus in my deck for the last twelve years. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to be the guinea pig <laughs> so at when, all times. So when you guys get up there with the that Star Wars the collectible card game crossover for uh for chess, you guys have to let me know. <laughs> just go Got through it. all the IPs. <laughs> we'll just start going through all the IPs yeah. and live the best. Yeah, no, we should do a wrestling one as well. I got no yeah. wrestling and magic is I oh, the Venn diagram is so like yeah. really it's steep. So, it's really steep. A lot. It's what very, if, very it's much. What, you know, what if, uh, what if wrestlers were magic decks? What if wrestlers were magic cards? <laughs> There's a whole smorgasbord of stuff yeah. that could be done. But yeah, I'm bummed that we didn't talk yes. more about that for this episode. But I, I, I'm, we're coming up on two hours. I do want to see an ultimate warrior card that does have the cowards can't block warriors. Why on that? Because that makes so much. A hundred percent. All of that. I want all of that. But yeah, no, thank you, thank you for having us. We had, I've had such a great time. This has been so yeah. much fun. I expected this to be as lightly silly, but also very informative as I expected it would to be. Because just yeah. of the way of the way that we all dynam dynamicize the dynamics. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah. Uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, if you if you are going to uh, Vegas. Comment Vegas below, and I will add you to that drawing. We have to do the drawing relatively soon uh, so that you can get get the ticket and register it. So make sure that's all taken care of. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.